politics, the bush and the future of our regions. You're listening to Weatherboard and Iron with Barnaby Joyce and Matt Canavan. Welcome back to another episode of Weatherboard and Iron where we talk about all things rural and regional Australia. Uh, uh, this evening I'm here in Canberra at Parliament House and I have uh, Dr Senator Sam McMahon uh, from the Northern Territory. How are you Sam? Yeah, yeah, good mate. Good day, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to great to hear from you. Actually, I should just check: is it Senator Doctor or Doctor Senator? How, which comes first? Oh, I think it's Senator Doctor. Oh, so, so that means <laughs> is that mean the senator's above a doctor? I'm not oh, sure. I if that, so, yes. I'm not sure if that should be the case, but uh, we'll roll with that. Um, look, great to have you on the on the on the podcast. Uh, I've just spent a, a few weeks in your beautiful part of the world. Uh, and you had a pretty big election up there. Tell us about that. How did the election go in the Northern Territory? Yeah, Matt, and I do thank you for coming up. It was great having you uh, come and visit us up there, and uh, we really appreciated it. Look, the election has gone very well. Uh, we're not looking like we're going to be able to form government, unfortunately. Um, however, we went from having two seats as, as opposition. Um, my, my latest analysis of it it looks like we're probably going to have a minimum of six and there are four seats that um, we are at tonight as we speak we are within 20 votes either way in those four seats um, so we could have a maximum of 10 which would be um, fantastic yeah look I, I think this election might be put up in the future at uh, political training lessons about how you've got to chase down every vote you know never never give up because you're right, I was looking today, there's, there's seats that are, that are 18, 15, 13, seven votes difference. Uh, it's going to come down to a family, basically. If a family didn't vote, someone might have lost. Um, look, uh, it's, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a great experience up there. As you said, it was very, very close. Uh, tell us a bit about like the, the landscape there, for those who don't know, don't know the Territory. Uh, your party, our party, the country Liberal Party, there's no Liberals and Nationals, one party. That, tell us how they were fighting because they were fighting against a, a minor party up there sort of trying to cannibalise our vote. Yeah, that's that's right, Matt. So we have the, the Country Liberal Party in the Northern Territory, which is a territory-born party and um, a party in its own right. We are affiliated with the Nationals um, and we also have the Labor, um, who have been in government for the last four years and uh, held a very large majority in um, the Parliament. And we had a newly formed party called um, Territory Alliance, which was formed by Terry Mills um, and uh, several ex-CLP. Uh, he also had um, an ex-ALP. He had uh, far right. He had ex-Greens involved in the party. So there was a real mixture of people that uh, were drawn into this party, which was marketed as an alternative um, conservative party. And... Um, was uh, was basically attempting to to wipe the CLP out. Um, now they uh, they started when they formed their party. They got um, three currently sitting uh, MPs to join. Um, two of them were, were ex CLP and one ex Labor, and uh, they were looking to to take over a large number of of seats. And um, it looks like they will absolutely struggle to even hang on to one. So if, if they continue to exist at all, it'll be a, um, a party of one. Yeah, and that's the seat with 18 votes different at the moment between uh, Territory Alliance there, that minor party in the country, Liberal Party. I mean, I, well, the other thing I think that was interesting, particularly for the rest of the country, out of the Northern Territory election was the role coronavirus played. It was the first uh, 
uh, I suppose territory-wide or statewide election in the in the COVID world. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, how the Labor Party approached that and, and your analysis at all about what, what impact it had on the electorate. Yeah, yeah, we are obviously the, uh, the first election, um, as you said, post-COVID. Uh, there was a great deal of concern about uh, Labor keeping the, the borders locked down so that um, people that may want to come up and help uh, would not be able to. Uh, it probably, at the end of the day, with Victoria going so so badly wrong with, with COVID, it probably affected Labor as much um, as it affected us. And we are doing this live in Canberra. Uh, we've just had the bells ring, so Sam and I will have to depart to the chamber where we'll pick back up after this. We'll, we'll make sure you don't have to wait the, the six or seven minutes we'll be away. So keep, keep listening. We'll be back soon. Okay, we're back from that division there in the Senate. Sam, we were talking about the uh, the Labor Party's approach there, and basically when I was up there, it seemed like they effectively just ran on the coronavirus. Did they have much else to say in the NT election? No, no, Matt, you, you're absolutely right. They had nothing else to say. Um, all they were banging on about was we kept you safe, we looked after jobs, uh, we kept out corona, vote for us. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was all that they ran on. No policies, no way forward economically, uh, nothing of any substance. Well, I remember I, I was hearing uh, the Chief Minister, Michael Gunner, he was effectively saying, I saved your life. It was almost like he that. Was. As I, he was. As I said after I saved election, lives. Yeah, saved lives. Yep. And it felt to me that he was sort of running as someone who defeated Thanos and he was running for the next member, to be the next member of the Avengers. It was kind of surreal. But look, they did win. They, they looks they like did. they've won. Uh, so what, what's your assessment, do you think? Uh, this uh, this sort of smokescreen of putting up COVID has actually been electrically successful and will the Queensland government try the same then in their election in 60 days' time? So? Well, I guess it is probably successful from the point of view that they look like they've retained government. Um, they've certainly lost a lot of seats or they look to uh, potentially have lost a lot of seats. Um, I think it was successful because it played to people's fears. Yeah. There was a lot of people that were very, very scared um, they'd been very concerned about COVID coming into the NT and uh, when Michael Gunner stood up there and said, look at me, I kept it out, I've kept you safe, I've protected you, uh, a lot of people, their response was, oh yeah, yeah, look, he, he, you know, he's kept, kept COVID out, so therefore he deserves another term. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a risky strategy for any government to follow because uh, while some, I, I suppose, will be convinced by that argument, uh, there were many others I spoke to who did see through it and wanted more. They they do want a government that's got a plan for not just yep. uh, hopefully the next few months of COVID, but for the next few years of recovery and creating jobs and what are we going to do after it. And it may not work the same way in Queensland because, I mean, you have got some COVID cases there, hmm. whereas uh, in the Northern Territory, um, through, hmm. through basically um, doing what he was told by the PM and uh, good luck, uh, yes, we managed to keep it completely out. So that gave him the ability to stand up and say, aren't I wonderful? Look at me. I've kept you safe. I've kept COVID completely out of the NT. Mm. Well, look, uh, and look, on the positive side, in terms of the future, uh, while the Labor Party didn't run on it, it looks like the result has meant that uh, the the resources, the gas resources of the Northern Territory have had to be developed. The, that Territory Alliance Party we spoke of sort of un unbelievably came out and said they'd banned fracking even though their, their leader had been well in favour of it years before. I don't think that helped him. But what does this mean now going forward? Is, uh, is uh, Are we going to get this industry going in the Northern Territory, do you think? Uh, so where, is, where is it headed? 
Yeah, Matt. I mean, look, there was a very real risk uh, with yep Terry and his uh, his band of misfits came out and um, sensationally said that they would ban fracking. Um, I think it was it was good that the territory population uh, voted very much against that. Um, they uh, they they obviously didn't want a party voted in that was going to ban fracking. They could at least see the economic uh, development that was going to come with an onshore oil and gas industry and they know the state of the NT economy there you know we're 8.2 billion dollars in debt and getting deeper every day so I think the general public saw through that and voted um, against that uh, labor has said that they will support an onshore oil and gas industry so I'm hoping that they don't do a, a flip-flop on that um, because, yeah, it's something that we very much need. We need some sort of industry. We, we currently have virtually nothing. We, we, have, we have cattle and we have mangoes and a little bit of mining. Um, so we very much need uh, this to, to come on board and it could revolutionise um, jobs and the economy in the Territory. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, there's so much opportunity. One of the reasons I went up there is I'm very passionate about it. I, see the opportunity and uh and and it's good hopefully this 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 re-elected government will get on with the the gas side of things but it's, it's not just gas there's, there's all that the water availability there the land uh, uh i met with a lot of people uh uh on my way up uh, around the the opportunities in cotton there's a big excitement about that uh, and growing that industry what are the what are the prospects under the labor government for those agricultural opportunities to be opened up look they haven't got a good track record on it um, and they've developed very little so far. I mean, approvals for um, you know for mining and for exploration are absolutely abysmal in the Northern Territory with the amount of time it takes, the amount of red red and green tape. Uh, it's very very difficult for for companies to establish uh, mining exploration, and there's lots of opportunity in that space. There's also lots of opportunity for agriculture, as you mentioned. Um, but to really expand our agriculture, we need we need access to water, and um, you know the territory's uh, spend on water infrastructure mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. had a very poor track record. We've done virtually nothing um, for at least the last forty odd years. Um, no new dams, no new uh, water infrastructure. So that's something that we really need to get serious about if we want to expand agriculture and as you say we've got lots of opportunities opportunities for for cotton for asparagus for grapes for all sorts of things um there's pretty much nothing you can't grow in the territory uh if you've got access to water and we're going to need that after all this and uh, we need to create jobs around the country uh there's 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 almost unlimited opportunity up there uh to grow and develop all of those industries so look i, I do hope uh, uh, I was pretty critical of the uh, government's record while I was up there. They they didn't do much in their first term, as you've described, and uh, unfortunately jobs went backwards, house prices have been backwards, but let's hope they get, get to it because it's just such a big big part of the future of our country. It's only 250-odd thousand people, but it could be a lot more. It's where the growth can really, and it traditionally has been a high growth part of our nation, just not in the last few years. I mean, just going to that issues of population, though, because the population has been declining, uh, and just to just to hammer that point home, in the last four years, under the Gunner government, the Northern Territory is the only part of the country where population levels are falling. Correct. They've been going backwards. Yep. Not just as a share of the whole population in Australia, they've actually gone backwards. People have left yep. the NT in net terms. So that has meant we've got this unfortunate outcome 
where the Australian Electoral Commission has recommended that the Northern Territory go back from having just two seats in the House of Representatives to only one for the whole of the Territory. Tell us your thoughts about that and what should be done about it. Yeah, absolutely correct, Matt. It's because of the mathematical formula applied um, by the AEC and because our population has gone backwards under this Gunner government, we uh, have fallen below the threshold to maintain two seats. So the recommendation is that we just have one. Um, you know, one, um, one member covering an area of 1.4 million square kilometres, including Cocos and Christmas Islands, is, uh, is just an impossible task. So I'm very, very keen to maintain our representation. Um, as you well know, we've discussed this and there are various methods for doing that. Uh, we have the, uh, the private uh, senator's bill uh, going at the moment, um, but there are also other methods by which we might uh, ensure that we don't lose our representation. And uh, I certainly know uh, the Nats have been incredibly supportive and, uh, and, and Labor is supporting their senator as well uh, with uh, maintaining at least the, uh, the two that we have at the moment. Yeah, look, I think we should take the politics out of this. I mean, at the moment, those two seats in the House of Representatives are represented by Labor members. They have been seats, though, that have gone back and forth over the years, although the, the rural seat Lingari has been in the Labor Party's hand for some time. Uh, um, yeah, it's just a basic thing for our country, though. We can't have a situation where... It, for a place as big as the Northern Territory, represents all those Indigenous communities, the islands, as you mentioned, uh, is only is only represented by, by one person. That would be an impossible task and a great disenfranchisement of what it should be, a growth area of the nation. So all power to you. I mean, not a lot of senators go through their careers without sponsoring any private senator's bill. So you've already done one in your first year. Uh, and I think I think you're going to have maybe a pretty good track record, um, if not this bill. The, I think the actual uh, uh, you'll get the outcome. I mean, we had uh, so de- our leader Michael McCormack uh, came out support yep, the other came day. Out so. In support. Uh, so I think there was a lot of support um, on on uh, all sides of politics for the territory to at least maintain its current representation. Yeah, good good stuff. So hopefully that is the outcome. I'll keep fighting with you on that. I mean, as I said, you've, you've you know, for, to achieve that in what has been just, what, your first year, basically, yep. a little bit over a year, yep. although you take out a few months of COVID, so you're probably only about a year old in parliamentary terms, parliamentary weeks. How have you found it, Sam? How's it, how's it been? Uh, and uh, what are you looking to get stuck into next? Yeah, it's been fantastic, Matt. Uh, very steep learning curve, but um, I love learning new things. It's what I'm passionate about, and I love uh, representing the Territory and fighting for the Territory. Um, so, you know, I, I get to experience, you know, the two things that I love wrapped up in one. Uh, so it's been uh, absolutely great, loving it. Um, what I want to get stuck into is infrastructure and industry for the Territory. Um, as I mentioned, we're desperately lacking water infrastructure. We're also lacking uh, reliable energy supplies, reliable, affordable energy supplies. Um, which is hindering uh, the options that we could have for a manufact for several manufacturing industries. Mm. Um, so you know we've got quite a few options there. We've got the Beedaloo with the onshore oil and gas. Uh, we've got large scale coal deposits, um, and we also have the option of nuclear energy with um, vast uranium reserves. Mm. So mm. we've got a lot of options there to give us um, affordable and reliable energy. And uh, once we get that. Then we can develop manufacturing industries. Um, I, I would love to see, you know, Tennant Creek become a hub for, yeah. for various manufacturing industries 
off the back of the uh, the recently announced um, uh, East uh, Tenant um, mining opportunities there mm, with the mm. uh, the gold tenements, uh, gold and copper. So you know there, there's lots there's lots of things that we can leverage off the back of having um, uh, mining affordable energy and reliable water storage. Yeah, absolutely. Might just drill down on some of those. I mean, the, the we'll circle back first on the on the gas side of things. We spoke about it briefly in terms of the election context. Um, uh, for for the listeners out there, though, we should stress this is this would be Australia's first shale gas play. Uh, so some of you are probably familiar with the coal seam gas fields of Queensland and, and maybe into New South Wales soon. Uh, um, they they are very different though from shale. Uh, there's no oil in in coal seams. Uh, there can be in shale, and we're hopeful there's some liquid fuels in those shales of the Beetaloo Basin. What that means is it's the same as what has kicked off the, the energy revolution in the US, where energy prices have plummeted, manufacturing jobs are coming back to the US from China, thanks to these shale resources. So is yeah. there some hope that in the NT, if we develop that, if we get those low costs, get the oil, the oil uh, we'll be out on the back of that, bring manufacturing jobs back to Australia through Darwin and Tennant Creek. Yeah, look, ab- absolutely, and uh, and that's something that I, I really want to fight for. I mean, you know, like I said, we have very little industry in the Northern Territory mm. at the moment, and that's one of the reasons that our population has been declining. We need to develop these industries, and, uh, and we can do that with uh, affordable energy. Um, you know, t- Tennant Creek would be an obvious choice. You've got Catherine... Uh, there's opportunities in Darwin. I mean, Darwin, you've got, um, you know, access through sea and, and rail. Mm, mm. Um, there could be opportunities with uh, Tennant Creek to bring the rail across from Mount Isa. There's all sorts of opportunities if we think outside the, the mm. box. You know, it, it's pretty well unlimited what we could do. Yeah, and I think, you know, that, that's the thing that the Territory has lacked in the past. Uh, it hasn't had a uh, an affordable energy source Uh I'll come to uranium in a second, but we don't use that here. So it hasn't had an energy source which can then underpin those value-added industries like manufacturing. Uh, if we can crack that here, uh, well, well, yeah, you, you've got all this. You've got the infrastructure in place. You've got the rail access, as you said. You've got a, a fantastic port at Darwin. And you're proximate then to Asia and those growing markets. Yep. So hooking up with those supply chains. So if we can do that, I, I think it's the next big boom for our country and I'm very I know the Nationals payment very keen to relook at how we can energize our manufacturing sector turning to the to the uranium side of things that you mentioned you, you know you've been producing uranium in the Northern Territory for for decades but we haven't used it here you're exporting it to Japan and Korea and other places what do you think is that um, is that uh, and that is bells as well you probably can hear but we'll keep talking there for the green place the other house so we'll keep going with Sam what do you think? What's the prospects of nuclear, say, in the Territory or somewhere in Australia? Um, look, I don't think it's something that we should be afraid of. Um, the technology has advanced considerably even in the last 10 years. And we're now looking at the options of small modular reactors, um, lots of sort of modern technologies involved with nuclear. We're not you know, talking about Chernobyl mm. as such. Um, much safer, much more efficient, um, much less waste. So I think it's an option. Um, it's probably not in the current climate, probably not economically viable for us. We have other options, but I think it is something that we should put into the mix when we consider um, our, our energy options. And um, I mean, even if we don't decide to build a reactor ourselves, 
um, there's nothing to stop us from from actually refining, you know, instead of just digging it out of the ground and, mm, mm. and selling it as is, as raw product, um, you know, we could be manufacturing rods, for instance, and uh, and have a, a system where we we sell rods to, um, to various countries that on a basis that they exchange them back when they're finished with them and we have safe disposal for mm, them. Mm. They, they, these are options. These are options in the future. Um, but I don't think we should uh, discount nuclear. I don't think we should be afraid of it. Yeah, look, uh, what, what are you, what's, your, what's the feedback you get? I, I pick up, I think there's a little bit of a change in attitude towards it in recent years. But have you had any discussions with, with people over the last year uh, since you've been a senator, and, and if so, what, what are people do you think in the territory? What are they thinking about nuclear? Yeah, yeah, I have, Matt. Um, and um, every time I bring it up, um, the reaction is positive, mm. and people go, "Yeah, I'm really glad that you you're thinking like that and that you're talking like that." Um, so I've had very little pushback against it at all from uh, people in the territory. They're very positive about exploring the option. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's another example of one of these areas where we kind of become almost trained down here in Canberra to uh, not talk about some things uh, and, and certainly nuclear is in that bucket. It's, that's why it's great to have people like you come in you know, from the outside uh, who aren't, aren't uh, uh, educated, if you like, through the Canberra uh, consensus or Canberra constraints, perhaps is a better word, because you can bring new ideas to it. And I think people are starting to... to to, to wake up and, and realise, well, nuclear has no emissions, there's no carbon emissions, so if you're concerned about that, they're not there. Uh, it's really is a proven technology. Uh, it is absolutely perfectly safe, or safe, as safe as any other energy production technology. A lot of, a lot of people die putting uh, solar panels on roofs. That mm. does happen. Uh, yep. I'm not saying we should ban solar because of it, but uh, it is a risky endeavour getting up on someone's roof and installing equipment. Uh, uh, and uh, we're starting to hopefully deal with the waste issues in this country. We've got a nuclear reactor at the moment in Sydney. We do have nuclear waste, uh, but hopefully we'll, we'll find a solution for that soon. So, look, I think that the, the, it's starting, the planets are aligning a little bit, and as you say, these new technologies, it might work. I mean, I also wanted to come back and drill down on the, the mining opportunities. Mm. Uh, I was up there when the government released with you with that, uh, that extra, there's a massive field around Tennant Creek. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, it strikes me, as not someone from the Territory, but a proud Queenslander, strikes me that the landscape there looks very similar to the Northwest Minerals province around Mount Isa in Western Queensland. Why shouldn't we have similar industry there in the Territory like we've got on the other side of the border? Yeah, absolutely, um, Matt. And, and yes, when you were up there and we did that announcement, um, 90 tonnes estimated of gold, uh, gold alone in that deposit, um, plus copper, and that's just in one reasonably small area um, that was that was surveyed. So, yes, we, we've got a huge land mass um, and new technologies coming on board with um, surveying the areas. I think we're going to turn up uh, a lot of a lot of things that mm. we don't know mm. that is currently there, and there's going to be lots of. Um, lots of opportunities for mining and exploration and, and we're going to be really excited about some of the things that we find I, I think in the next 10 years mm, well we should yeah we should give credit to the government too it's a government program that's funding that the, all those the seismic testing and what have you uh, it's, uh, it's uh, we are spending about a hundred million dollars another 125 million dollars has been added to that uh, to do this uh, because it's areas of the country which no one's really looked at seriously before but if we make these early finds you'll attract 
I think, and we are attracting private investment to have a look at it, so that'll be great. Just on the water stuff then, on, on agriculture, uh, I'm, I'm not asking you to pinpoint where would you build a dam, but uh, uh, what, what, are the, what are the prospects here across the territory? Uh, where, would, where, would, where could we use more water? Uh, and how do you have like a rough indication? What sort of land are we talking about? Like how much extra production would we get out of it? Um, yeah, Matt, look, we've got quite a few options. Uh, CSIRO's done quite a few studies, and we're investigating further. As you're aware, the um, Arrows project in Adelaide or near Adelaide River on the Adelaide mm. uh, River offstream um, storage that was a um, a NAIF um, funding for that. Um, so looking at that as an off-stream water storage option. There's also options uh, for various dams um, around the top end, mostly around the, the top end that obviously receives the most rainfall. Um, there were about 12 different sites looked at. Um, and, you know, you're looking at, um, at opening up uh, tens of thousands of hectares for agricultural mm-hmm. production with some of these dam proposals. Um, so, you know, I think we, we really need to, to look seriously. Um, yes, the Adelaide River one is progressing, but we also need to look at a few others. There's also options um, down around the, the Catherine and the Barclay regions and even down to Alice Springs um, with, uh, with things like groundwater recharge. Mm. Um, so there, there's quite a few different technologies and options that we could be using, and I think... Uh, we need to start uh, using all of them. We need to start yesterday. Yeah, look, I, I was uh, I was the first time I've been up to the territory lots of times, but uh, because of time constraints, I've typically flown in and been between different towns. I, I did get out to some irrigation around Manaranka once, but but most of my time, you know, I haven't been able to get out onto properties and that. And I was struck on a lot of cattle properties. I was at how much black soil there are. There is there on is. the Barclay yep. Tableland that yep. there. Um, so it's definitely uh, irrig- irrigatable, if that's a word, but yep. we need water. We've got to add water to it. Look, uh, finally, too, I wanted to, before we move off policy stuff, where, what, what's the situation with Indigenous affairs? Obviously, there's a fair, like it's about 30%, I think, of population are Indigenous in the Northern Territory. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's very, 40%, 40%, actually. 40%. Yep. It's very large. Yep. Um, uh, and so obviously the development of the Territory, to do it properly, we're, we're going to have to hopefully provide opportunities to, to our Indigenous uh, brothers and sisters. I mean, what, where, where, do you, where are things at at the moment there? And, and are there any moves afoot that you think policy-wise can really shift the dial here to help in a big way? Um, it's, uh, it's a difficult and complex issue. Uh, yep, we have about 40% um, Indigenous population. We have about 66% of population in the Territory that is on welfare. It's a very, very high percentage of population and a a fair chunk of that is um, Indigenous people living in remote communities. Um, There's there's the problem of either no jobs, no no industry, you know, literally nothing to to do to be employed um, or opportunities where there are uh, jobs. Um, They're not necessarily taken up because of a a culture of welfare dependence. Mm. So I think uh, we, we need to do a few different things. Yes, we need to, to make those opportunities. Um, mining, cattle, uh, horticulture are great uh, opportunities for people to work in. Um, so we need to create the jobs and we at the same time need to 
somehow get people away from the the welfare dependency and um, and show them that there are there are opportunities for them there is advancement um, and and that um, you know some of these remote communities can start up and some of them are starting mm. up their own micro businesses and you know as I said um, horticulture mm. you know there's there's melon farms that sit next to indigenous communities grape farms and with with water there's an opportunity to do a whole lot more of that and I know there are some organisations that are moving to do that now with um, indigenous owned land um, where the people can take control of mm. their their own traditional lands and can um, have industry on there that will employ uh, future generations. Yeah, there is a there are a lot of positive stories. Uh, you know, I was very impressed with people like Nigel Brown uh, when I was the Northern Australia Minister, and, and he's doing a lot of good work with the Larrakia people. Uh, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but there's an electricity company there. He's involved with the Arrows project uh, there as yep, well. Yeah, that's Dice. Dice, that's yep. right. Uh, and uh, so, look, you know, that they're the sort of things hopefully we can encourage more and it's going to be a lot easier if we build industry and have a growing economy mm. uh, uh, because getting getting uh, Indigenous Australians into businesses, successful businesses, is really the sustainable way forward. So hopefully more of that will happen. I mean, we've done this around about the wrong way, really, because I usually start by asking people who they are and where they're from. But we had the NT elections, so all those prosaic things. But tell us a bit. Well, where did you? Where were you before you came here, Sam? And, and I said you've only been here a year, but you had a lot of life experience before that. So what sort of brought you up to, to this place and, and how you got involved in the Senate? Um, yeah, Matt. Well, I'm a as you said at the beginning, doctor. Um, so I'm a veterinary surgeon. Um, I've owned and run veterinary practices throughout the Northern Territory for the last 30 years. So experience in small business Mm. and experience working on a lot of um, uh, remote cattle stations and remote uh, Indigenous communities have basically um, provided services all over the Northern Territory. So it's mainly pastoral veterinary services or you did did sort of dogs and cats as well? Yep, did 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 the whole lot. Did um, cattle, pastoral industry, um, dogs, cats, horses. Um, you know, services to remote indigenous communities right. for uh, um, dog and cat health programs. Uh, and uh, are you a dog person or a cat person? What's the uh, usually the dividing line? Where are you? <laughs> Do vets have to? You can't have a preference. You, maybe, can't, you can't have a favourite, oh, okay. Matt. They're like, well, like I'm children. A dog person. I'm like children. We've got you're both, not, but I'm not, not a huge cat person. Not meant to choose favourites. Okay, I'd right. say, if anything, I'm a horse person. I can't. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the argument. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I I've always been interested in politics. I've always been interested in the CLP. I've always been a supporter of the CLP and involved at branch level for many years. Um, and uh, with the retirement of Nigel Scullion, a, a long-serving senator, um, I was fortunate enough to be pre-selected for that role mm. and came came here in June of last year. Well, it's great to have another person here with that business experience, the life experience, and you're bringing that uh, to the role. Uh, I mean, we've spoken about a lot of things territory-specific, but given your business background and, and you know, we've come through, through is there any one policy that you'd like to see change in Australia or if you were Prime Minister, you would do that? You would cut that tax or get rid of that regulation? And it can be something specific to your own business experience. What, what would you do if you were PM? Um, well, this is probably... I mean, this this definitely is a state and, uh, and territory issue, so I, I probably couldn't do it as PM, but I would get rid of payroll tax. Yeah. I think it's a, a, a dreadful, awful tax... Um, on business, and I would love to see that just gone. 
Yeah, it's pretty much the most common reaction you get, I think, when you ask that question, especially those that have been in business and had to run a payroll. Yeah. Uh, but it keeps keeping on. It so. just inhibits, you know, it's just a, it's just a tax that just is aimed to, to keep small business small. Mm, mm. Um, it, it just doesn't encourage growth at all. I think it's, it's just a terrible tax. Yeah, well, look, uh, thanks very much for coming on, uh, Sam, and uh, good luck with the rest of the career. As I said, I think you're going to have a win on the, the uh, representation for the NT, so the NT are already getting the value for money out of you. And all the best in the future. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. It was great fun. And uh, don't forget, listeners, to subscribe. Uh, Weatherboard9, that's what you need to search for in your favourite podcast app, whatever you're using, or weatherboard9.com.au. Thanks again. Have a great week.